list in every podcast episode we're going to highlight the products ideas trends that are shaping the cpg industry or that we just really like you know eating for the planet can be easy and delicious and fun um, and our partnership products really help us accomplish that when we're wasting food we're not just wasting you know uh, an apple you know we're wasting the water that went into producing that apple the labor that went into uh, picking that apple, the fuel that went into transporting that apple. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Adrian. Here we are again. Here we are again for The Naturalist and talking about a word, an issue that seems to be kind of taking over the CPG industry in the best possible way. Yes, and I actually have heard this word so many times lately, not only at Expo West, but I'm seeing it on packaging in supermarkets, hearing it all over, very trendy, very cool. And it's actually hard to believe at this point that there might be people that don't know what this is. It's upcycling. So yeah, let's start there then, Adrian. What is upcycling? Great question. So upcycling is a movement that is working to prevent food waste by creating these new high quality products out of surplus food. So out of things that would have otherwise gone to waste. And I think the key here, and of course the Upcycled Food Association talks about this a lot, is that those products need to be transformed into something of higher value. So we're not talking about um, sweet potato peels that would have already gone to be upcycled as animal feed, We're talking about turning those sweet potato peels, for example, into something of higher value. So something that would be used for human consumption. So maybe turning them into some delicious chips. Now that sounds really good. I think there's a brand that does that, but more about that later. One of the things that's really powerful about upcycling is that it is used as a solution to food waste and as a solution to climate change and a solution to food insecurity. So it's really taking on these big issues and to see it showing up in packaged products in a more significant way than ever before has been really cool. We definitely saw it a lot at Expo. One of the things that struck me at Expo was how proud companies were of their upcycling initiatives, of their certification, and of the amount of food that they were saving through their unique process and their unique manufacturing process and the partnerships that helped them get there. Yeah. And I thought one of the other really um, standout things that we're seeing a lot of right now is, you know, upcycling is um, something we've seen before in a lot of fruit things, fruit pulp turned into things, um, things from the juice industry. We're seeing it move into a lot of other kinds of categories. So we're seeing it in meat. We're seeing it in alt meats. We're seeing it in um, plant-based milk or a lot of other plant-based products. So it's been really inspiring to see how upcycling is kind of making its way through the food system and um, 
finding a, a life in a lot of different formats. Yeah, definitely. And we we checked in with spins on this because we really wanted to understand what the fastest growing upcycled categories were and what the, the growth was and what sales numbers looked like. So sales of upcycled products are up to over 30 million. It's And this is the products that have the certified upcycle upcycled certification. Uh, so that's how we'll be defining that here. And that's how SPINS defines it. And in the 52 weeks ending uh, on February 26, products with the certification increased by nearly 9%. And you said it, Adrian, we're seeing, you know, a lot of that growth and a lot of those sales come from sort of the staple categories. So these are the shelf stable fruits and veggies. That's where you where you'll find things like potato chips that are made out of those ugly or what would have otherwise been ugly veggies uh, in, or dried fruits, um, but we're also seeing a lot of that growth in and, and a lot of those sales coming from pet treats, as well as shelf-stable fruit spreads, jams, and jellies. But then it is really interesting to see this move into other categories. And a couple of those other categories that are showing potential and have just recently had products that have gotten the certification are frozen and refrigerated meat and specifically poultry and seafood, and then the beverage category. So functional beverages, sparkling waters, and uh, that space where we're seeing a lot of innovation too. So there's definitely a an uptick in products getting the certification and not just that, but across some pretty interesting categories. Now we know it's happening in the industry and Adrian, we've talked about this a lot. Our consumers wanting it? Do they know what it is? Do they want it? And are they buying it? Yeah. I mean, I know I made the comment before about, you know, everybody should be familiar with this term and actually a lot of people are. So we've done some research with at New Hope Network and found that 61% of natural product shoppers are familiar with the term upcycling. Um, and then 41% of shoppers overall, so that's natural and conventional shoppers are familiar with the term. And that's, a, that's pretty great. It's almost half. So um, then we also asked people if they would pay more for products with an upcycled claim. And here again, we had 60% of natural channel shoppers saying they would pay more for products with an upcycled claim. But then when you put all shoppers together, including conventional, that dropped down to about 39%. So, and that's roughly equal with the amount of people that said they're familiar with the claim. So I feel really encouraged by this survey and um, it would be really interesting to use this as kind of another benchmark and look at this again at six months, really, because the momentum that the upcycled food movement has right now is just, it's phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I'll add to that is that uh, Matson had done some consumer research and found that 99% of consumers see food waste as an issue. So essentially all consumers are saying food waste is an issue and quite a high. I'm actually surprised by that percentage of consumers who know what upcycled is. So now we just need to bridge that gap because if nearly 100% of consumers think food waste is an issue, nearly 100% of consumers should be buying upcycled products as a part of that solution. Certainly there's other aspects of that solution that happen in the home. I, the other day I was trying to tell Adrian about the commercial, the 
strawberry commercial that came out a few years ago. And it's this woman with their daughter. They buy this beautiful carton of fresh organic strawberries. They put it in the back of their refrigerator and it slowly just starts to rot. And then ultimately the whole thing goes to waste. And that was to raise awareness about food waste. But now we're seeing that not only are consumers taking matters into their own hands by wasting less food in the home, but we're seeing these really unique business models that are built to address the food waste problem. Next step is just making every consumer aware of these products and, and why they deserve a place in their shopping cart. So we had a couple of really great conversations with our experts. So Dan is the CEO and co-founder of Upcycled Foods, Inc. And he's also the co-founder and chief grain officer. So I guess that's the CGO at Regrained. And then we also spoke with Caroline Cotto. She's the co-founder at Renewal Mill and also the board president at the Upcycled Food Association. And it was such a great conversation. Both of them are really great examples of those brands and companies that are um, that have introduced really innovative business models. And so really a lot of this is about coming up with a lexicon for this repurposing, this creative repurposing of otherwise wasted ingredients. And so as we talked to both Dan and Caroline, they really brought to light how this is about developing the business practices, but also developing the communication strategies. Yeah, you put it really wonderfully when you said it's really about creating a new term for an old solution. And I really love that. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Dan. Thanks so much for being here today. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. We are really excited to talk about upcycling today. And I think let's just dive right in. So I wanted to start with you, Dan, and just ask maybe the obvious question. Why does upcycling matter? And is there a tipping point where it can really start impacting the whole food system? Yeah, upcycling matters. Uh, basically, every reason you can think of, depend, uh, no matter who, who you are or where you come from. We're talking about addressing one of the biggest contributors to the climate crisis, food waste. So food waste is responsible um, for a tremendous amount of greenhouse gases. It's the third biggest emitter after uh, the U.S. And, and China. And you know, the upcycled foods uh, concept, you know, and, and movement within the broader fight against food waste plays into that same, uh, that same issue of conserving the, the precious resources that we have that go into um, the production of food. When we're wasting food, we're not just wasting, you know, uh, an apple, you know, we're wasting the water that went into producing that apple, the labor that went into um, picking that apple, the fuel that went into transporting that apple. So embedded in food waste is, is you know, loss of, um, of natural resources and, and also money. And so you can care about, um, about upcycling and reducing food waste just because you care about the bottom line. You can care about it because you care about feeding the world. You can care about it because you want to reduce waste and the impact that our food system has on contributing to the climate crisis or all of the above. And this is an issue that has become increasingly top of mind for both consumers and brands out there. Um, right now, you know, there's uh, you know, a broader framework for sustainable development put up by the UN, the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, goal 12.3 is, you know, part of it is about around cutting food waste in half. Something like three quarters of organizations have committed to this, to this goal of contributing to the reduction of food waste in half by 2030. Interestingly, only about 15% of organizations 
uh, think that they're on track for that. This is according to a report that was recently put out by, by Capgemini. Meanwhile, over half of consumers are looking to, you know, brands and organizations to help them in their fight against food waste. You know, so this is something that's uh, top of mind all across the, the value chain of, of the food system and something that, uh, you know, we all should really be caring about. It's interesting. You talked about a couple of the problems that upcycling helps to solve. And I don't necessarily think that many consumers associate food waste with our climate crisis. Are you seeing an uptick or either of you seeing an uptick in awareness among consumers, not just in how much of a problem food waste is, but some of those really big global issues that it's associated with? Definitely. I mean, even just a recent report just found, this is done by the uh, International Food Information Council, 52% of consumers have reported a increased awareness of the environmental impact of their food choices. Uh, you know, According to a, a report that Matson put out, virtually everyone wants to do their part to reduce food waste. You know, so this is something that, um, you know, people are starting to make this, this connection, you know, more and more. And it's, it just, it's it's common sense, you know, as well that we should not be we should not be wasting food. There's a a wonderful leader in the food waste movement, um, Dana Gunders, who, who some listeners may be you know familiar with, and you know she often uh, gives this example of you know if you were to you know, walk out of the grocery store with five bags and drop two in the parking lot, you know, like who would who would be who would be okay with that, right and it's uh, it's it's just silly, you know, that we're wasting the, that we're wasting this much food, and um, you know, I think once people's eyes are open to the problem, you you just can't unsee it. Yeah, I would also just add, I think that the pandemic really helped spur this. Like people were at home cooking a lot more, seeing food wasted in their own kitchens, and then also feeling the real effects of climate change in their backyard. You know, um, Dan and I are both based in California. And we, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we're plagued by horrible fires. And then this year, we've been plagued with tons and tons of rain, uncharacteristic, um, all due to climate change. So people are starting to see the real impacts around them. Um, and I think that's, you know, ultimately affecting their desire to do more um, from a sustainability perspective. And obviously, food choices is, is one part of that, that larger conversation. And I also think um, New Hope Network did some really interesting survey work during the pandemic as well, asking people what they were paying more attention to um, as far as environmental concerns during the pandemic. And they all, a lot of people said food waste, but there was no way for people to identify products in retail that were helping fight food waste. So um, we'll probably get into it, but Dan and I really were behind the movement to, to start a upcycled certification program um, so that consumers could directly identify what products in store were directly helping fight food waste and therefore helping fight climate change. Yeah, I mean, we, we absolutely will we'll get into that. And um, my understanding is the Upcycled Food Association, the certification has only been around since Expo, around Expo East of 2022. Is that right? Yeah, it launched in the summer of 2021, um, but it's really started to take off um, in the last like 18 months and in the first year of the program, um, just under a, a billion pounds of food waste were projected to be prevented from certified products. So lots of potential for impact when we all kind of <laughs> work together. That's amazing. Um, I was kind of kind of wondering, rewinding a little bit before the Upcycled Food Association, you know, both of you were early adopters of upcycling, early proponents of upcycling. I mean, your brands 
for me really stand out as two of the pioneering brands in this movement. How did you start by explaining, you know, how did you explain what upcycling was to people when you first started out in this space and how, you know, how has that changed? Yeah, I, I vividly remember the first uh, panel I spoke on at an expo, which I, think, I believe was in 2015, maybe 20, 2016. And one of my first questions, you know, at the time was, who's heard of upcycling, you know, in, in the audience? And I don't know, there was, there's probably like 30 or 40 people in the room because it was a topic no one really knew that much about. And one or two, you know, one or two hands would go up. And then, you know, if you, you fast forward to today, you walking around, you know, expo from just a couple of weeks ago, and there's such a amazing proliferation of upcycled food products and, and, and brands. I mean, the Upcycled Food Association started with uh, nine you know, member companies, including you know, the two that are represented here on this call. And now there's over 300 companies you know, that, that are involved in this. But in the early days, it was a really um, interesting challenge to, to think about how to convey this idea of really, you know, kind of dancing that line of not wanting to yuck the yum of a customer, right? By talking about this, by making people think like they're they're eating waste, but also communicating the impact of what's happening. And personally, I arrived at the term upcycling from the from just being a sustainability nerd. And uh, there's a, a guy, Bill McDonough, who wrote a actually has a book now, he, another one called uh, The Upcycle, but there's another one called Cradle to Cradle. And, you know, there's this idea of, of upcycled materials, you know, mostly related to like durable goods and, you know, construction materials and t-shirts, you know, like plastic water bottles turned into fleeces. And this idea that you're not a community, you know, online of people, instead of recycling, you know, different things around, you know, household trash, they would upcycle them into, you know, things in the garden. And this idea of an old climbing rope turning into a a, a dog leash or creating something new, you know, of higher value than as opposed to just putting something back into the system itself. When um, I stumbled into the idea for regrained, which was, you know, started with, with making beer and trying to figure out what to do with the grain that was left over from it. It wasn't recycling the grain. We weren't turning grain into, from making beer back into grain to make more beer or back into a soil amendment, you know, for, you know, or, or compost or anything like that. This was, you know, creating something new, something of higher value. And it, this idea of, um, of upcycling, it just really resonated as a, as a term, you know, for, for what, for what we were doing. And so we started talking about, about upcycled food and um, Barnana is another company that was really early on in this. And I remember meeting them around that same expo uh, where, you know, they had upcycling on their package too. And we're like, oh my God, you guys are using the same language. And then we met Renewal Mill. It was kind of the same thing. And there's a, a lot of um, companies we learned that were kind of gravitating toward this term, you know, that connotes a value, you know, that's, that's being uh, created, you know, through this practice of, of, you know, of what we, of what we call upcycling. And we were all kind of doing it in our own way. And we decided to come together and try and create a center of gravity in order to, you know, raise all tides, as they say. It's really interesting, this idea of creating like a new lexicon for defining a solution. And I do like how proactive it is. And I like how, you know, you took something that may have a negative connotation and turned it into something that is empowering for consumers and really positive. So it's interesting to to hear more about what that process was like. Any kind of surprises along the way, whether it's in the process that you've had to establish to make this upset 
recycled products scalable or real challenges around communicating the message? And I think Adrian and I were both just excited to hear like what kind of has surprised both of you two leaders in this throughout the course of the past couple of years? Yeah, I would say I think I've been surprised by how fast the kind of market has changed for this conversation in such a short period of time. Um, like back in the early days, like Dan was referencing, definitely got referred to as like the trash cookie lady multiple times. And I think there was this real fear in the industry that there would be this negative consumer perception. And that's just completely like flipped on its head. You know, we kept saying, this is going to be a trend, watch. And I mean, it really has been. And it's because it's able to tap into some of the larger goals that companies have around like ESG. And um, it's a delicious way to do that. So I think it's been been really inspiring to see how fast that shifted. Um, on the supply chain side, I think there are definitely challenges with commercializing upcycled ingredients. Um, you see there's no upcycled company that successfully exited yet. So I think there's still, it's still early days of companies really figuring out like, how, how do we scale this? Um, we produce upcycled ingredients. And one of the biggest questions we get is, oh, are you going to have like continuous supply for us? Because as an upcycled company, we're reliant on our supply partners and their byproduct streams. And so we have to choose those partners carefully and, and make sure that they're also scaling their business and going to have sufficient supply for us to offer our customers on the other end. Um, and then I think on the consumer education piece, I think we've done a really good job as the Upcycled Food Association of educating the industry. Like I think people who who work in natural specialty food have heard of this term once, you know, once, twice, maybe 30 times at this point. I think the average mass market consumer in the US um, probably still hasn't heard of it. Um, and so the work is really there. And there's folks and partners like Kroger that are doing some of that work. But I think uh, there's still some some ways to go in making sure that kind of we've we've reached everyone with the message. Yeah, we're we're very heartened by the way that conversation has shifted within the, the business to business uh, community of, of, of folks focused on upcycling. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see brands that are dedicated to upcycling at their core. And that's who really makes up, I think, the, you know, the heart and the soul of the Upcycle Food Association and the, and the movement at large. But where we see the biggest opportunity for growth is around more conventional brands launching upcycled innovations as brand extensions, as line extensions. And we now have eight of the top 10 CPGs and, you know, in touch with us developing products using, using our ingredients. And, you know, many of them came to us, you know, to, to proactively take, take part in that. And so it's been really encouraging to, to see the level of, of interest of, you know, really cross-functional folks within these these large companies you know r&d professionals marketing professionals sustainability professionals that are you know see the power of what's you know what's what's possible here and want to you know take part in in connecting those dots and i think we're going to you know the you know, listeners will be able to start seeing some of the the, the products of, of our work and renewables work and the other innovators in the space you know coming um coming to market in the next couple of years because it does take time in the physical economy to get products launched, especially when retailers only reset their shelves, you know, twice a, twice a year on average, right? So you're going to see this uh, kind of lagging, you know, indicator, you know, around like what's being launched versus what's actually in, in pipeline. But I think one of the other things that's been uh, surprising about this for us was, you know, really in the early days was like, wh why hasn't this been done before, right? Like what, this doesn't seem like <laughs> a radical idea, right? And, and the more, you know, we dug into it, the more that was confirmed. So, if you look at um, 
a product like whey protein, which is ubiquitous across the natural products industry as a, you know, admittedly animal source of, you know, but as a source of, of protein, right? Um, it's a byproduct of cheesemaking. And decades ago, cheesemakers used to have, you know, a challenge getting rid of this stuff. And now there's whey producers where cheese is a byproduct, you know, so there's, um, there's lots of examples like that, that you can, that you can find. And so it's, you know, kind of makes you wonder, is this just like a new word for a very old idea? And, and in a lot of senses, you know, it is, but there's also some unique challenges to it. Like if you drill into the uh, brewer's grain supply chain specifically, there's evidence of human consumption of the grains that, you know, humans have used to make beer and to bread, going back to ancient Mesopotamia, going back to um, the Middle Ages in, in Europe. You know, there's a German tradition you know, around using grains from beer making into bread. When we got started with this business idea in 2000, uh, 2010 or so, there was brew pubs around the country that were making buns and pizza crusts and things like that at a smaller scale. But like not, but there wasn't anything happening at a real kind of coordinated commercial scale. And so we tried to, we were really surprised by that. And we, were, we tried to figure out why. And Caroline hit on one of these, you know, challenges for all uh, upcycled businesses is that we've got this um, vertical integration, really, uh, is how I would phrase it, of the uh, of the production process where we're creating the ingredients. Um, you know, but a lot of these materials are, are very wet. They're difficult to transport. They're um, difficult to process. We ended up inventing a process that we have a patent on, you know, that has enabled us to launch a scalable ingredient that we can supply to industrial customers. But so there's like, you know, surprises that we were running into on the supply side. And then on the demand side, it's like, how do you talk, you know, how do you talk about this, uh, you know, this, th these products and these ideas? And um, you know, what we found was that it, it just needed some, uh, some, relentless, you know, innovators to, to, to push that conversation forward and to, to ask, to ask why and to figure out why not and, to, um, you know, really champion uh, this as a, you know, as a solution. And, you know, here we are today where it was one of the hottest trends at Expo West 2023. And we see that, you know, only continuing from here. Well, and I have to agree with you. I mean, it does seem like it should be very obvious. Why hasn't this been done before? So, um, you know, another thing that actually really strikes me as obvious is that upcycling uh, promotes partnerships, you know, the brands working together. I have this leftover. I need that. Um, Caroline, I think that Renewal Mill has done some really amazing work partnering with other brands. Um, I know that you have been partnering with women-owned brands as well. Um, you have that fantastic chai muffin mix with Just Date. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that partnership process and, and how that's been working for you? I mean, I think we early on realized that we're a small, a small team, a small brand, um, and that we work in a very like niche area of upcycling. And so to kind of educate more folks and sort of heighten the awareness of our brand, we wanted to align ourselves with with mission aligned companies that we could partner with and you know, share our message with their audience and, and vice versa. So um, we've really did, done that with a number of different partners. Um, one that we were super excited to launch last Expo West was with um, Miyoko's Creamery, the vegan butter company. So they had a lot of leftover um, butter at the end of every production run that they were not using. So we were like, hey, we can, we can do something with that. So we um, took it, combined it with our flour and made delicious vegan ready to eat cookies. Um, and they had not had a, an upcycled conversation with their audience. Um, and we were able to talk about their mission of really like, um, you know, protecting animals 
Um, but both of us are women-owned brands from the Bay Area that um, operate in the plant-based space. So it was just a really amazing partnership. Um, and, and similarly, we, we love doing sort of those smaller, limited-run products. So the chai oat muffin mix that you mentioned was with upcycled date sugar from um, Just Date, which is another women-owned Bay Area brand. Um, so just another really lovely way to, to highlight two different upcycled ingredients in a format that consumers can engage with. And to your, to your earlier point of like bringing some hope back to this conversation and the climate conversation, we really want to inspire that kind of hope and excitement and say like, you know, eating for the planet can be easy and delicious and fun. Um, and our partnership products really help us accomplish that. And our side of, uh, you know, of, of partnerships is a lot of, you know, what I would classify as like open innovation with uh, other companies, innovation teams. And so, you know, we're seeing... Um, just increasingly, a, you know, a really refreshing approach, honestly, to, to product development, whereas, you know, maybe a conventional ingredient supplier would call up procurement and say, here's what I have, what could you use it for? And then maybe they forward along spec sheets to R&D, and then maybe they do some bench work, and maybe you hear about it, you know, a quarter later, and, you know, that's um, kind of this stodgy old process, you know, that's that's really been turned on its head. And, you know, now what we're experiencing is, is working with cross-functional stakeholders at, you know, at these food companies where we're innovating on focusing on solutions, you know, together and, you know, brainstorming ideas and presenting prototypes and refining messaging and really, um, really collaborating on, you know, the products that they're going to be launching as opposed to just saying, here's what we have, here's how much is available and here's the price for it. And it's, um, you know, I think that's, you know, it makes for better, it makes for better products and it, you know, it makes for just more inspired individuals, you know, too, that are, you know, then become champions of this, you know, of this solution that we're trying to promote for the industry. So I'm curious then a question for both of you, what are some of the most exciting innovations on the horizon that are being born out of some of these collaborations? And um, it seems like there's just a lot happening in the space. So what's next? What can people expect to see coming up over the next one to three years? Yeah, for uh, the Renewal Mill brand, we're really focused on adding additional upcycled ingredients to our portfolio as well. So um, starting to work in some other gluten-free flours like corn flours um, and green banana flours, um, really just making it sort of a, a one-stop shop for folks who are looking for um, so those like high nutrient density um, gluten-free products. And then on the branded side, we're continuing to innovate um, kind of launching outside of the baking aisle and into more ready-to-eat products as well. So our ready-to-eat cookies with Miyoko's were kind of the first step there, but continuing to, to march in that direction. Um, I think for the industry at large too, we're, it's kind of, we're seeing more, more companies growing in this space every day. As Dan mentioned, there's about 250 uh, to 300 folks already operating and we're seeing a lot more excitement. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll see, you know, one in three products in the grocery store by three Expo West from now being upcycled and some of the mainstream conventional products on shelves switching out ingredients they've been using for decades for more upcycled climate-friendly solutions. Well, Caroline, if those cookies are anything to go by, I think it will be, all of your dreams will come true because those cookies are insane. They're so good. <laughs> Thanks so much, Adrian. 
Indeed they are. And yeah, on our side, we're seeing um, a lot, you know, commercially for our, our, our flagship ingredient, the, the regrain product made from brewer's grain, uh, we're seeing it come to life in a, in a major way in the bakery, you know, section. So we've got a, a major retailer this quarter that's rolled out a private label bread um, to uh, their entire their entire store uh, chain, about 2,000 stores. Um, for, and there's many more in the works with them and other private label retailers. We're seeing actually private label really lean into upcycling, <clears throat> excuse me, as a way to connect the dots between their sustainability goals and their innovation priorities. Um, on the, uh, you know, just kind of commenting on the the movement, you know, at at, at large, I think we're start we're also going to start to see more and more convergence of of trends. Like upcycling is something that is actually complementary to not mutually exclusive with plant based, you know, for for example. And so as we see as we start to see some of these innovations come forward, you know, one brand that I, I'm actually like pretty excited about is this. Uh, this company that's making a plant-based meat from the uh, from the cashew fruit, which is an apple that's like grown with a cashew product, it's called um, it's called cashew, and it's like a, a whole fruit and vegetable, a whole you know a whole plant uh, product, pretty minimally minimally processed, and it like fits really well into that plant-based trend. And I think like stuff like that is is really interesting. And also on the industrial side, I was just at Future Food Tech actually the week after Expo West, and um, one of our partners, Griffith Foods. Uh, presented a um, a plant based chicken karage, you know, where the you know the the substrate itself was um, made using mycotechnologies, uh, plant plant protein, and uh, regrained was in the in the breading system, and you know, there's kind of the again, it's just like this this idea of any, like anything that's happening as a a food industry trend, you know. Can actually happen in a way that is also upcycled, you know, keto or you know the reduction of net carbs and the increasing of, of fiber. You know, is also something that can be accomplished with upcycled ingredients. And so, you know, I think we're going to start to see more and more food products that you know are checking the box of being something that is um, that is being upcycled while also keying in on maybe some more specific uh, consumer and industry trends. Well, thank you both so much for being here. This has been interesting. I've learned a lot. It's been um, also really inspirational. I feel like we're headed in the right direction. And it's been so great to see, you know, just how many brands are getting Upcycled Food Association certification, how many brands are really leaning into this uh, movement. And, um, you know, thanks thanks for all the great work you're doing to, to push it forward. But both of you offer such great products, delicious, and really, again, um, just leading with the solution. And that's what this entire movement is doing. So really cool. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you both so much for, for having us. And I know that both Caroline and I and, you know, the entire and anyone who's involved with upcycling, we'd love to hear from from whoever's out there and what questions you might have, because, you know, as we as we shared on this, um, you know, we're trying to move these these solutions forward uh, together, you know, in collaboration. So thanks for uh, thanks for having us. Thanks for listening, and you know, hope to do some do some stuff together. Yeah, and thanks New Hope Network for helping us get the word out. It's uh, it takes a village to build a movement, so we're we're really grateful to have you guys as partners. It's time for the list.
We're jumping right into the list. We had no shortage of companies to choose from given the growth of the category. Certainly we wanted to put Renewal Mill and Regrained on the list and you got to hear from those companies' founders just a moment ago. Yes, we obviously love both of those brands, but who else have we got on the list today, Jessica? Who else have we got? All right. Well, I'll start with just a, a good company. They they really caught my attention at Expo, Ugly's Kettle Chips. The reason that they caught my attention wasn't because of it was the most innovative product. It's a good product. They use potatoes with slight imperfections in their kettle chips, and they have a, a range of types. They have sweet potato and regular potato chips. But what I really like about them is that their booth at Expo West really highlighted their impact as well as the upcycled certification. They shared that they were saving 12 million pounds of taters. And I like that that movement within this upcycled conversation of, of really quantifying the impact that you're having and the amount of food that you're saving. So Ugly's Kettle Chips. I also like that you said taters. I said taters because they said taters had to say the tater terminology. Another brand I want to highlight that's also a member of the Upcycled Food Association is Sparatonic. Now, I love this brand. It's a beverage brand. Um, each of the beverages is just four to five ingredients, and the basis for all of them are upcycled whey. So they source the upcycled whey from a yogurt maker in Red Hook, New York, I think. And um, what I really love is, again, that integrity piece. So they use um, 85 to 95% upcycled whey in their beverages. So um, it's really a truly upcycled product that was actually created in order to find a solution to all of the whey that was being um, wasted in the yogurt making process. So they taste delicious. They've got a lot of natural probiotics. They're naturally fermented. Great story. Great product. Can't get enough of it. And all of it that was being wasted. Oh, you did it. That was good. Next up, we have a category that I expect to see a lot more upcycled ingredients in, and that's the alt meat category, uh, as well as the meat category that we mentioned earlier. But in the alternative and plant-based meat space, a cool company that was exhibiting at Expo was Unlimit. And this is a Korean plant-based meat brand. It uses excess grain stocks to create their plant-based meat products like Korean barbecue, pulled pork, jerky. And also we wanted to add another company to the list after talking to Dan, and that was Cashew Love, which is a, an alt meat company that uses the cashew fruit um, in its products. And this is really new to retail and new to the U.S. market. So we have not tried it yet, but we're definitely looking forward to it. Okay. And the last thing on the list for today's episode this is not a product, it's an event. It was a recent event that was held at Expo West between Misfits Market and the Upcycled Food Association. So it was the Upcycled Food Challenge. Really exciting event. And there were three winners. So we had um, Atoria's Family Bakery. This is a brand that actually uses 18% of regrain super grain. So that's from Dan's company in their mini naan. Then Chomps, that's again a, a meat product that is using um, meat scraps, so 10% meat leftovers in their meat sticks. And then Petite Pot, which you've probably seen those delicious 
um, little glass containers with the different kinds of puddings. So they have a rice pudding and they use 8% broken rice pieces in their rice pudding. So those are the three winners of the Upcycled Food Challenge. Such a cool initiative led by Misfits Market. Um, huge fans of all that they're doing to support upcycling in their products. And that's what we have for the list today. That's the list. All right. Well, thanks, Adrian. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Natural List. Yeah, thank you. See you next time. Want to be on The Natural List? Send us an email at thenaturalist at newhope.com.